John chapter 11, beginning at verse 1. Now a certain man was sick, named Lazarus, of Bethany, the town of Mary, and her sister Martha. It was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore his sisters sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, when he had heard, therefore, that he was sick, he abode two days, still in the same place where he was. Then after that saith he to his disciples, Let us go into Judea again. His disciples say unto him, Master, the Jews of late sought to stone thee, and goest thou thither again? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If any man walk in the day, he stumbleth not, because he seeth the light of this world. But if a man walk in the night, he stumbleth, because there is no light in him. These things said he, and after that he saith unto them, Our friend Lazarus sleepeth. But I go, that I may awake him out of sleep. Then said his disciples, Lord, if he sleep, he shall do well. Howbeit Jesus spake of his death, but they thought that he had spoken of taking of rest and sleep. Then said Jesus unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And I am glad for your sakes that I was not there, to the intent that ye may believe. Nevertheless, let us go unto him. Then said Thomas, which, was, which is called Didymus, unto his fellow disciples, Let us also go that we may die with him. Then when Jesus came, he found that he had lain in the grave four days already. Now Bethany was nigh unto Jerusalem, about fifteen furlongs off. And many of the Jews came to Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary sat still in the house. Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. But I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it thee. Jesus saith unto her, Thy brother shall rise again. Martha saith unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? And she saith unto him, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. We're going to end our reading there. We trust the Lord will bless us for having read his word. I want us to take as our text, particularly the 17th verse. 
then when Jesus came, he found that he had lain in the grave four days already. And I want us to think on the answer to the question, why did Jesus wait? Why did Jesus wait? And before we go further, let's just ask the Lord to meet with us and to speak to us from his word. Our Father and our God, now we would pray that you would bless the word of God, that thou wilt allow the spirit of God to be our teacher and preacher this day, that the Lord Jesus might be seen and believed on and glorified, that our hearts might rest in Christ, that we might find ourselves being able more and more to enjoy what Christ has done by his work so that we are those that are under the promise of the verses that we read that we shall never die but that we shall ever be with the Lord we pray that you will now bless this time bless me, help me as thy servant guide thought and word we ask in Jesus name Amen Again, I asked the question to begin our time. Why did Jesus wait those days before he went to Bethany? Well, for us to consider the answer to that question, I want us to establish a few points right from the start that set the proper picture for what we are to think about. One thing I want to ask in relation to our subject is the question, did Jesus understand the seriousness of the situation? Well, I want us to understand in our minds, the answer is yes, he did. There was no question that the Lord Jesus knew all that was involved here. In fact, he plainly says to his disciples there that Lazarus was dead. He understood fully what was the issue and the situation of that day. There was nothing that he did not know. We might also ask, did the Lord Jesus understand the grief and heartache that must have been felt by Mary and by Martha? Well, of course, you would say the Lord did understand. He knew very well the sorrow. He was the man of sorrows and is the man of sorrows, uh, Isaiah 53 tells us. When he arrives at that scene, it also is that the Lord Jesus' heart was so moved that he wept himself over the grief and the sorrow that was being experienced by those that he loved very much. We might also ask, well, was it in the plan of the Lord Jesus to go to Bethany? Well, yes. The Lord meant to go there. You look at verse 15. He says, I am glad for your sakes that I was not there, but to the intent that ye may believe. Nevertheless, let us go. There was an intent of the Lord Jesus to come to that place. But again, we come back to our question. Why did he wait? He told the disciples plainly that Lazarus was dead. They knew what that meant. They knew what would have been involved with the whole situation of a man passing, what it would have meant to his family. Perhaps we might imagine the disciples' response to the Lord's delay. Again, they were told that Lazarus was dead. You wonder what kind of questions would have arisen in their minds. Why is he delayed? 
He needs to go. They need him. Why is he delaying? Why, is he, why did he stay these two days? In fact, it says that he lay four days in the grave already. You might even say that it was more than four, two days that the Savior waited before he went to Bethany. What questions would have arisen in the disciples' mind? Well, I doubt that the matter of someone dying would have created a doubt in the disciples' mind about whether the Lord was able to do something about the matter. In fact, we read elsewhere that the Lord Jesus raised a 12-year-old girl from the dead. They knew that he could do something. He also raised a young man uh, whose funeral buyer was passing by and he was seeing the mourning and the, the situation of desperation in the heart and mind of a mother who had just lost her only son. Well, he raised him too. The disciples knew that the Lord Jesus could defeat death. He could raise the dead. So I don't think that there was a question in their mind about the ability of the Lord Jesus to rectify the whole situation. And did I emphasize it was not the Lord's ability that may have been a matter of questioning. The great question that may have been theirs, and I have to say, certainly it creeps into our minds from time to time as well, is this. Does the Lord care? Does the Lord care? Will the Lord help when I am helpless and utterly defeated by the enemy? That's the issue. Do we not also question the care, the love, the commitment of our Savior to us in the times of our desperation and need? Here's a lesson. Surely they did not doubt the Lord's love and care for those that trusted in Him. We might say, as a retort back against perhaps the supposed questioning of the disciples of the Lord's care. Uh, I think that there's, there's the case. But again, I want you to look at verse 15 because the Lord explains things to us very plainly. Again, he says, And I am glad for your sakes that I was not there to the intent or for the purpose that ye might or may believe. The reason that the Lord delayed with regard to the disciples was that they might believe. Well, believe what? One truth that needed to be believed, we will note in a moment. But this is a great truth that needed to be keenly understood by them and needs to be understood by you too. The Lord cares for his own. He will not fail his own. He never fails. Now I suggest that we may actually even be here, some of us, wondering if the Lord cares for us. Maybe you're in your own mind wondering, does the Lord care for you? You are in a hard time and you feel it. You have asked the Lord for help, but there seems to be a delay. Does that mean he cares or does not care? Well, here's the answer. This incident teaches us the answer. Now, we, you and I might answer or ask this question. Wouldn't it have been better for the Lord Jesus just to arrive in time to heal Lazarus? 
Surely sparing everyone the grief and sorrow would have been better. Well, let me note something with you. There are better things for us than the avoidance of pain and sorrow. Just to not have to go through the hard times to avoid the sufferings, the sorrows that come with the things of life. Not having to go through. There's better things for you than that. And the Lord was to prove an invaluable and precious truth about himself. That those about him, and we might put ourselves in that category as well. There were things that they needed to know. So my subject to you, the point that I will be making is this. That in the moment of great trial, sorrow, and crisis, we need to know and find the Lord Jesus himself. Not anything else. When you are in that moment of crisis, you need to know the person of the Lord Jesus and nothing else. When the Lord gets to Bethany, he sets before Martha the greatest of truths, which he calls for her to answer. Now we might also ask, was she the only one to hear his question? Probably the whole crowd as well, as the disciples heard him. What was that truth that he wanted Martha to understand? Well, you read it in verses 25 and 26. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? Do you believe this? So what was the point? What needed to be understood? What was the subject of the Lord's questioning of Martha and those that heard? Well, I think there are three things I want us to note that the Lord points to that he really wants us to understand that makes all the difference in the answering of the question that we asked at the beginning. The first thing I say that the Lord points to or that he wants us to understand is about his person. His person. I am the resurrection and the life. The whole question to Martha was this. Who do you believe that I am? Who do you believe that I am? Believest thou this? Who do you believe that I am? That is a great question that we all need to answer. The point that the Lord Jesus is making is that all hope and all help is found in our coming to him, to his person. Let me stress with you, salvation is not a belief only, but a belief in him. You know, the the statement used to be made, uh, in fact, many use it even still after a sort, glibly, you have to have faith. Having faith will not save you. It has to be faith in the person of Jesus Christ. It is a faith that is in him. Everlasting life does not come because we follow and ardently stick to a way of believing. It is looking to him, to his person. And I say the point could not be more striking. These people were assembled at a tomb. Death was right before them. 
The soberness of the situation could not have been greater. But the Lord Jesus waited. He waited until this moment. For it was a, the crisis of the moment that what he says about himself was all the more powerful. You are seeing the very presence of death. Now I want you to understand. I am this answer for all of this. I am. Again, here's the plainness of it. Christ is the answer for death. He is the answer for the cause of death, which is sin. And again, I stress to you, the way of salvation and everlasting life is by what a man does with the person of Jesus Christ. The Lord says it elsewhere, does he not? John chapter 14, verse 6. Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me, through his person, by trusting in him particularly, by coming to him particularly. Again, I want to ask, is Christ saying that a man is not saved by what he does or has done? Yes, that's right. Salvation is by coming to Christ. Salvation is by bowing to Christ. Salvation is by believing on the person of the Lord Jesus. But what if he won't have me? (laughs) He answers that question very plainly in John chapter 6, verse 37. You know it well. And him that cometh unto me, I will in no wise cast out. There is no such thing. If a man comes to the Lord Jesus, comes to his person, believes on him, bows before him, presents himself for him as one who wants the salvation that is accomplished by Christ, he'll not be cast out. And notice that the plainness and the obvious meaning of his words was not missed by Martha. When he says these things, and he says, Believest thou this? What does she answer? Verse 26. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? Excuse me, verse 27. She saith unto him, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. Everything you're saying, I believe that. It's what you believe about the Lord Jesus that makes the difference. It's looking to the Lord Jesus that makes the difference. Think with me about this illustration, if you will. Do you remember the time when Israel was walking through the desert and because of their complaining, the Lord sent the fiery serpents among them? And many were bitten and many died. Well, Moses was instructed by the Lord to erect then a brazen serpent to put it on a pole and to lift it up. And of course, you know that all that would look to that serpent hanging on the pole, the brazen serpent, would live. You say, well, what's, how does that relate to this? Let me ask you this. If there was a man in that host that was bitten by a serpent, And he lay there as the poison was making its way through his body. And he says, I'm going to think about myself. Now, let me recount how I have lived. Let me think about maybe the good things. And I'll have to admit the bad things. But let me think about myself. Let me think about how I'm feeling. Let me think about my experience. Let me think about how I understand religion. Let me think about how how I've betaken myself through the days that we've walked from Egypt. 
Let me think about myself. Would he have been healed? Let me ask this. What if he thought about his wound? If he looked at that where the serpent had bit him, bitten him, whichever is right, take that word. He looks at the wound and he thinks about that wound. He said, you know, it went pretty deep. And I see there is starting to swell. And I know that there's poison in there. I can see the red streaks starting to, to, to show. And I, I, I see the wounds. I see all the effects of it. I understand all that it's doing to me. Oh, that I wish I didn't have this wound. You know, there are many that would look at the wound of sin. And they would look at what it's doing. They would look at what it's done. They might lament all the things that they have had happened to them because of their sin. They might say, oh, I wish I hadn't done. There may be a a host of regrets. They may look at that wound. But my point to you is this. If they only looked at the wound, would they have been healed and, and saved from their situation? The point is, they had to look away from themselves, didn't they? They had to consider that which was lifted up. The point is the same for you. It's the same for me. We must have our minds and hearts set on that one that is given of the Father to be the resurrection and the life for us. Our hearts must be set on Christ. And I think one of the great reasons for the delay of the Lord Jesus was that all would understand that the answer for every trial, for every sorrow, for every crisis of life and soul would be found in his person and in nothing else. Further, the extreme nature of the moment, standing in the place of death and deep sorrow, the fact that the Lord Jesus spoke and offered the great hope of life by speaking of himself, taught that all that was needed to be understood by all those gathered was his truth. Which brings us to the second thing that the Lord Jesus points to. He points to his person. But he also points to his truth. He points to his truth. I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. We might ask at this point, why, with all the pain and sorrow, with all the desperate need of the moment, Why did the Lord Jesus first talk to Martha before he acted to raise Lazarus? Why did he he go through all of this? Why did he present the truth about himself? Why did he, as it were, teach or preach the truth about himself before he acted? Why did he set forth the truth about himself and his hope before anything else? Well, we might also ask this question in response to that. Do we not want the Lord to immediately come in and fix our desperation? And then, we tell ourselves, we will be much keener to hear his truth. You know, if only the Lord would cause my need to be met, then I would have really open ears to hear his truth. We need the power of God before we need the truth of God, right? Let me mention to you a categorical truth, an immense truth in relation to that thought. 
and that is this. All men, all men, whether saint or sinner, need truth more than they need miracle. Let me say that. And let me put it in terms of you and me. You and I need truth more than we need miracle. The fact is that if the Lord cured our pain before we understood and believed His truth, we would hardly give our minds to that truth after the remedy is received. We would be forgetful. We would go our way like the nine lepers that the Lord healed. Only one came back and thanked Him. We'd be like those men going on our way. We would not consider, even though we flatter ourselves to say, oh, I would think much more. No, we wouldn't. You'd think much less. The Lord Jesus is stressing here in this moment of dire soberness that his truth is everything. If we just consider what the Lord says about himself and the truth in the Gospel of John, we would begin to see the exalted place truth has with God. We would see our need of it. You think of it, and this is not an exhaustive list, I just thought of a few things that the Lord Jesus said about truth and our need of it how we need to know what is right about himself before he even does something for us. John chapter 321. The Lord speaks of the truth and that the men who believe in the truth will come to the light. That means that they will come to walk in what's real and acceptable before God. If a man is in truth, he'll be able to be in the place where he understands what is real and what it means to go on with God. You need that more than you even need to breathe. John chapter 4, verses 23 and 24. The Lord talking to the Samaritan woman. You know that incident. She says, our fathers say that we ought to worship in this mountain, meaning the mountains of Samaria, the place where Shiloh originally stood. But you say we should worship in Jerusalem. And the Lord Jesus says, let's cut to the chase here. They that worship God must worship in spirit and in truth. If you are truly going to be able to worship God, you must understand truth. It is all important. John 8 and 32. The Lord has that statement that if um, the Son shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. And the truth shall make you free. Truth makes free. What? From the power of sin and the bondage of false self-righteousness. You can't deliver yourself from these things. These things will send you to destruction. But you need to be made free. And how is it that you are made free? By the Son making you free through the truth. John 15, 26. The Lord speaks of the Spirit of God, the Spirit of truth, that leads into all the comforts of God. The point is, without the knowledge of God's truth, there is no such thing as comfort. You cannot find true soul comfort without knowing the truth of God. John 17, 17. The Lord Jesus, in his prayer for his people, says, And sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. We are those who are made holy. The power of sin is broken by the power of the truth working within us. The Lord also gives in John what the lack of truth does. Perhaps you would remember in John chapter 18, the Lord Jesus is before Pilate. 
And Pilate is interrogating him. And the Lord Jesus speaks of himself. And Pilate makes that awful, condemning question. What is truth? What is truth? The lack of truth is that which damns a man. You say, why are you going through these points? Only to stress this, that it is the need of God's truth that the Lord Jesus says is more important that you understand that gets into your heart, gets into your thinking, than it is for me to do a miracle. Do you know that almost all the miracles of God were temporary? Think of it. Whether the Lord healed somebody, how long did he heal them? Only so long as the rest of their life would be, and then they die. If the Lord created water into wine, it was temporary. Um, no matter what you say, the, 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 the effects of God's miracles, with, you might say with the possible exception of creation itself, because creation entails us, we, have, we are immortal. We go, so there isn't, that has its own place set aside. But in the times when the Lord intervenes, whether it's making the sun stand still, whether it's making the waters part in the Red Sea, these are all temporary things. However, the truth of God endures forever. And the Lord Jesus sets this forth as a great truth. You need to know truth more than you even need to see the Lord do a miracle. You know, our thinking though is, Lord, I need to see you do the miracle. Oh, I need to see you come and do a miracle in my life. I need to see you do a miracle in my family. I need to see you do a miracle in my church or where I work. I need to see you do a miracle in me. Well, you'd probably do. But it's more needful that you know the truth. Because right understanding of truth leads a man to right thinking. And right thinking always leads to the Lord himself. So the Lord comes to these people. He delays in that he wants them to understand what's true about his person. He wants them to understand what's true about his truth. And then in the third, I'm going to say he wants us to understand his way. His way. There was a very, very blunt point that's being made by the Lord coming that day. And that is simply this. That the purpose and plan of God rarely coincides with the understanding of men. The purpose and plan of God rarely coincides with the understanding of men. What was the desire of those who were waiting for the Lord to come? Their desire was that Lazarus would be healed. Not, not pass, but be healed. That's as far as it went, really. Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. There is their thinking revealed. Even the disciples. Wouldn't it be good, you know, if he takes his rest? Even their, even their understanding, perhaps, was not what it should have been. The Lord tells us plainly in Isaiah 55, verse 8, My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. The Lord saw that the greater purpose, the greater need for his disciples, 
for all that were gathered there, and particularly for Mary and for Martha, was that they understood he was going to, put it another way, he was cementing in their mind that he did care. He did care. He did enter into the sorrow of their hearts. He was going to help them. But the first and primary need was to fix in their minds who he was and what truth would do in their hearts. That was his way. He, would, he was doing it for the benefit of his disciples who needed to know the answer. Does the Lord really care? Let's show you. Mary and Martha, does the Lord really care? Yes. To the Jews that look on, did the Lord really love Lazarus? In fact, they exclaim, do they not later? Oh, how he loved him. Yes, the Lord does care. But here is a call then for trust. It's a call for believing. Believest thou this? Now there's, to me, those are the words, the the pinnacle of this whole encounter are those three words. Believest thou this? Believest thou this? Now he could have turned to Peter, James, and John and the rest of the disciples and said, hey, Believest thou this? He says it to Martha. Of course, it applied to her and to Mary. Certainly, it would apply to those that were watching. Do you believe this? Why was it such a a point that they were to believe? Well, I'm going to give you another categorical truth. For fallen man, good works are always easier than faith. Good works are always easier than faith. You wonder why so many of those so-called religions of the world center on works. The reason is it's easier. Well, why easier? For this reason, it does not require the removal of self from the throne of the heart. You don't have to humble yourself. You can do all kinds of good works and still be your own God, so to speak. The Lord would have us to be those that believe, that trust in Him, look to Him, rest on Him, rely on Him. The place of faith is a place where we are to be. John 20, 31. But these things are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing... You might have life through his name. John six twenty nine. Jesus answered and said unto them, It is the work of God that ye believe on him whom he hath said. The Lord's way is for us to believe. Not to work. Not to rest on miracles. It is one of the things that we would have to question or wonder about those who are in the charismatic world who rely so much on miracle to be their proofs. It goes exactly against what we're reading here and understanding here. Our place is to believe, is to rest in faith on the person of Christ and his truth. But there's also a sense in which his way not only required faith, but it also required humility. Here was a call for humility. You don't know, you don't understand what's going on. Your place is to step back and in humble submission to the mind and will and purpose of God 
allow God to do what he would do, your place is to believe. That takes humility. And that's something that comes by the working of the Holy Spirit. I don't think that anybody, when they heard and saw what Christ did that day, could exalt anything but the Lord Jesus. In fact, that's why the Lord Jesus said to his disciples, now I'm going to go there to the intent that you might believe and that the Son of God might be glorified. Here is a lesson done openly, physically, demonstrably by the Lord Jesus to answer the question, does Jesus care? Now, when you enter into a moment when the Lord seems to delay answering what might be your crisis, what is your, what is your conclusion to be? My conclusion is that he is my answer and that I will trust him. If he delays, he delays for a purpose that I don't understand now. Down the road, I will understand and I will give him glory. But my place is to rest even though I don't understand. Does Jesus care? He delayed for a reason. Oh, may we be those who are willing and able by the help of the Spirit of God to put ourselves in the place of trusting Christ. What he is to us in his person and what he tells us of his truth. May we rest there and go no further and understand his way is not my way. His reasoning is not mine. His purposes are not mine. But they are for my good and the glory of God. Well, may the Lord allow his word to speak to us. Continue with us. For his name's sake. Let's ask the Lord to bless his word. Lord, I pray now. That as we have looked at the Lord Jesus. And considered his way. With these people that day that thou will help us to realize that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, that your care for us is no less than it was in that day. Your help is no less, but your purposes are for our good. Lord, may we rest there. Lord, now I pray that you will apply the word to us Allow the Spirit of God to continue within us. Lord, do what you sent the word to do within our hearts, we would pray. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen.